0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church sermon of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kyley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I'd like to take a few moments tonight and um, get something out of the fridge. Sometimes I um, I like just to uh, take the Word of God and just sort of look at it and digest it. As I was reading my bread, I, I came across something in Scripture when we were reading Numbers 22. And as soon as I read the verse, I knew that God wanted me to preach on it. He wanted me to teach on it. It's a topic I've... I, I've talked on briefly before, but you know what? Leftovers are good because you always seem to find something that you miss the first time. And tonight I want to uh, talk to you about a character in Scripture. He's, he's, quite, he's quite an interesting character, it's hard, and it's hard to figure out where he stands. His name is Balaam. And you all remember the talking donkey and and that story. But a lot of theologians have had a problem understanding exactly where Balaam fit in with Israel. We know that in Numbers, the 22nd chapter, when we come across Balaam, uh, he's living uh, near the Promised Land. And um, he's not associated that I could see in any way with Israel He almost seems to be like a rogue prophet. Um, He's known as a a prophet, uh, possibly a prophet of God, and um, that's why he's called into, into into the picture here. But I think my message is for someone here tonight that is having trouble making a decision to serve God. Um... And it may be that you're riding the fence and you might be able to relate a little bit to uh, this, this prophet tonight. Now, I'm going to start with Numbers, the 24th chapter. I'm going to go kind of slow tonight. We know that Balaam is associated and has a, somewhat of a relationship with God and God uses him because in Numbers, the 24th chapter, verse 17 and 18, he actually uh, foretells a prophecy of the Messiah. And as I went back and I looked into some of the concordances and I looked back into some of the commentaries, they all seem to agree that uh, this scripture referred to Messiah. In verse 17 of chapter 24 of Numbers, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter, shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. and Edom shall be a possession. Seir, also his enemy, shall be a possession. While Israel does valiantly out of Jacob, one shall have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. So we we know that God uses him or has used him. And I also am aware that when I go further down in Scripture, that when he talks about his own life, he wants to die the death of the righteous. Because in Numbers, the 23rd chapter, verse 10, it says, Who can count the dust of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. So I'm starting out with these positive scriptures because once we get into the study tonight, you're not going to find much positive about Balaam. Matter of fact, when you start to look at his character, you're going to find that he's wavering between two lifestyles, between the lust of his flesh and the pride of life and the will of God for his life. And you know what? That's not too far from where any of us are because all of us unfortunately live in a body of flesh. And unfortunately, all of us have to deal with those inordinate desires of that body. Fortunately, God has given us the Holy Spirit and given us the word of God and power to overcome those things. But if we like Baal... Allow those things to become part of the way that we live, and we do not bring down those things, we can fall into what the Bible says, the doctrine or the way of Baal. Now, when I go back and I look, you know look at this guy he's he's in the Old Testament, he's obscure. he appears in the twenty second chapter. Of, of Numbers and he appears a, a few chapters later, but yet he's mentioned in the New Testament three times. The 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 apostles wrote about him, and even in the book of Revelation, were warned about the doctrine that Baal Balaam presented. I look at Second Peter Uh, 5, or 15 and 16, 2 Peter 2, 15 and 16. It says about Balaam, they have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity, A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. Now here, the Bible refers to him as a prophet. Speaking with a man's voice, the donkey restraining the madness of the prophet. So I'm I'm going to assume that, especially when we get into Numbers, the 22nd chapter, we want to read that together, that this man had some type of relationship with God, even though I can't seem to figure out what it was. The next scripture I want to look at is in Jude 1 and 11. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. So here we have Jude referring to Balaam, the heir of Balaam. And then again, in Revelation, the second chapter, verse 14, um, John is writing in his letter to Pergamos, but I have a few things against you because you have, did I give you the verse on that? Yeah, Revelation 2 and 14. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. I... I know that these letters to the churches are so um, inspirational as well as informational. And it was important enough when God wrote, had John write that last book of of the Bible, inspired him with these words, that he include Balaam, this obscure man that only appears in a couple chapters in our Bible, but has had a devastating effect history. Now, I'm going to jump back to Numbers, the 22nd chapter. Let's go back to the scene of the crime. Let's look at what's taken place so we can understand a little more what type of man Balaam really was and the situation that he was in. Now, I want to tell you, in this time of history, Israel is coming against Canaan with the power of God, The presence and power of God is behind Israel. He's backing Israel. They're conquering enemy after enemy and after enemy. And now it's Balak's turn in Moab. He sees the machine of God's people roaring in upon him. And he is scared just like those people in Jericho were. Verse 1, and the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side of Jordan by Jericho. And Balak the son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was so afraid of the people because they were many. And notice how it uh, is written, Moses writes this, and Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. He was so afraid he was very distressed. Twice in one verse the writer makes mention of the of the trepidation that uh, Balak has. He's desperate. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. Now, he sends messengers, therefore, unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor. Now, why would he send messengers to Balaam? What does Balaam have to offer that might help him overcome the obstacle in front of him? I believe that Balaam had a reputation. I believe he had a reputation and an association with Jehovah. Now, I don't know how clear-cut it was. He might have been living on both sides of the fence, if you know what I'm saying. But there was something about Balaam that Balak thought he could use. He was living by Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there's a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land, for I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he who thou cursest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards, look at this, of divination. In their hand they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. In other words, they're not coming empty-handed. They're bringing temptation. They're bringing things that they know that Balaam would desire. They're going to try to persuade him to curse Israel. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me, and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. Now, here we find that he's actually going to speak to who? The Lord. He's not consulting with Baal. He's not consulting with the gods of the land, but he is going to the Lord God Jehovah in prayer. And God says, as God came unto Balaam and said, what, are, what men are these, are these with thee? Now, I'm going to assume We've already been told in the New Testament that he's prophet, that he has talked with God before. Because it seems like he's, God comes to him and he speaks to him. He, he's going to God for direction. And Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Per venture I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. So far he's doing pretty good. He hasn't made a decision without consulting God. That's good. And God said unto Balaam, thou shalt not go with them. Now remember that. There's a semicolon there. That means to stop. You're not going to go with them. That was God's First reply, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, get into your land, for the Lord refuses to give me leave to go with you. But I want to paint a picture for you tonight of what I think is of what he how he feels. I believe that Balaam was a very covetous, greedy man. And I believe that when God told him to send these people back home with all the good stuff that they brought, now, I don't think they might have brought gold and silver, but in those days, camels and oxen and those things were more valuable than than metal at times. He watched it all walk away. Bye. God told me I can't take any of it. That's the kind of attitude I think he had. And the princes of Moab rose up and they went unto Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. And Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. In other words, people with more authority, people with more power. See, what what the devil will oftentimes do to get you to compromise on your walk with God, he'll send in his little minions... And if you don't don't bow to their uh, temptations, he'll wait and he'll send more in with more authority and with more temptation. So don't think that when you're tempted the first time and you overcome it that the temptation won't come back again. Matter of fact, more likely, it will come back again, but it will come back with more authority and greater power It's almost like the first skirmish gets you, if you're a wise person, ready to build a wall of protection for the one that's about to follow. And Balak sent yet again more princes and more honorable, and they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. Now, what does that mean? What's hindering him from coming unto Balak? God. Who does that sound like is talking to uh, Balaam? Doesn't that sound like the same guy that was speaking to Eve? Don't let God tell you that, that you shouldn't eat of all the trees of the garden. He knows that when you eat that tree, you'll be just like him. Don't let God hinder you From coming unto me, for I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me, come therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people. So now what is he getting tempted with? He got tempted with goods before, money, but now he's getting tempted with promotion. I'll give you great honor. What's that appeal to Pride. And that's how the devil will oftentimes deal with people that he's trying to get to curse God or to walk away from God. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, if Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now therefore, now this is where he makes a mistake. When God says no... What does he mean? No. And I'm trying to figure this out. You've got to give me a little space here because I, this whole story has been one of a, a puzzle to me because God is going to tell him to go now when he told him not to go. Now, therefore, I pray you, Terry, here oh dear, this night... That I may know that the Lord will say unto me more. And it's like a little child going to his his parents again, Mama, please, please, could I go? Can I go? I told you no. Please, please, please. And finally, the parent says, Go. And that's what I'm assuming is happening here. Go. Well, as a parent, do you really want him to go? No, you don't. And I don't think God wanted him to go. Because what we see what happens next, and God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them, but yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. And Balaam, okay, now he's sending him, okay? This is the confusing part for a lot of people because what happens next is almost an oxymoron. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab and God's anger was kindled because he went. Well, didn't he just tell him to go? Now, remember my story about the parent and the kid. God didn't want him to go. He was hoping that, that, that Balaam would have enough integrity to know that he didn't want him to go. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his donkey and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, I believe this is a theophany or a manifestation of God, standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field, and Balaam smote the donkey to turn her into the way. This is the first warning. Okay? When you're doing something that God does not want you to do, One of the things that Balaam is going to sell out that we can never get rid of, if we do, we're lost, he's selling out his conscience. When your conscience goes, friend, you might as well just cash in your chips because anything that you do will never bother you. So this is the first warning, but he's so intent on following Those people back to Balak that he doesn't perceive that God is blocking his way. And you know, that's a shame in our lives that God will try to block us from getting, from going into air. And we're so intent upon doing evil. We're so intent upon fulfilling our own lust that animals see what we can't. That donkey perceived what the prophet couldn't. So who was smarter? Who was more spiritual? Probably the donkey. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, the wall being on the side and the wall on that side. And when the donkey saw that the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself under the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. That's when the... uh, that's when the person starts beating up the preacher. You know, the preacher's blocking my way. He never tells me anything good. He's standing in the way of my sin. That's why when we come to church, you better thank God that you got a preacher that preaches about sin and tries to block your way from going into it because God's placed him here. But you know what? All of a sudden, you start beating up the preacher, but you don't see who's standing behind the preacher. Tonight, God stands here on the altar trying to speak through me to you and to me, warning me about trying to follow those that are tempting me to sell out on my relationship with God. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place. There was no way to turn to the right hand or to the left in other words, now there's no way out. This is the third time. What about three in Scripture? Hey, I love to think. I, I maybe I'm, maybe I'm strange inside, but I look at numbers and stuff. What does three mean? You know, I know it's seven completion. Six is less than completion. Uh, Peter denied the Lord three times, and all these other things. Three comes in. What does three mean? This is the third time, and then I realized it. It's with baseball. Three strikes and you're out. (laughs) All right, I got you to laugh anyways. But this is a third time. This is the last time. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anchor was kindled, and he smote the donkey with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said unto Balaam, now notice this, I, I love the wording here. It doesn't say that the Lord put the words in the donkey's mouth. It doesn't say that the Lord spoke through the donkey. He gave the donkey the ability to communicate with her master. What a miracle. What would you do if you came home and your dog said, How was church tonight? You know, if you'd have been home a little later or a little earlier, you wouldn't have to clean up. (laughs) And the donkey, now notice this, the donkey, this is the word of God. The donkey speaks what she feels. What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? But Balaam, he is so intent. When you're intent on doing evil, You don't even make good sense. He's talking to an animal. Doesn't it seem strange to him that a donkey's talking to him? And he's talking with it. And Balaam said unto the donkey, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. The guy's got a problem. And the donkey said unto Balaam, Am I not your donkey? Upon which thou hast ridden ever since um, I was thine unto this day? Was I ever want to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. He's really saying, Have I ever let you down? Haven't I been your most loyal friend? Even to this point? Why would you beat me? Why don't you trust me? Think about the preacher. Have I ever led you wrong? But you know, when you've got sin in your heart and you're intent on fulfilling your sin, you won't make sense. People will try to talk to you and it'll be like you're in la-la land because you'll be so infatuated with your own desires. Then the Lord opened up the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten that donkey these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee because thy way is perverse before me. Now, again, I'm just talking with you tonight, okay? We're we're exploring this together. Didn't the Lord tell him to go? Didn't want him to go. Your way is perverse, your heart is perverse, for it's set on evil. And the donkey saw me and turned from me these three times, and unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. How many people have been saved by the foolishness of preaching? How many people were ready to face the judgments of God, but God placed a dumb. <laughs> I don't think I want to go there. Place the man of God in the way to stop the judgment from happening and save that person's life. Do you know that Balaam was given a wonderful opportunity because of his donkey? He was allowed to live. Now what's he going to do with that opportunity? And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I've sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto you, that thou shalt thou speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. And we know what happens next. Balaam comes to Balak. Balak says, now here's, he takes him up, and this should have been a sign to Balaam. He takes them up to where the altar of Baal is. This is where they all worship Baal. And from that altar where Baal is, he shows them all of Israel. He wants you to see God's people from the side of sin. He takes you to a place where sin is. And when you look down, you're looking down at the people of God. You're not you're you're being affected by your environment. But when I am in church and I'm standing in before God's altar in the presence of God and I look down at God's people my whole view is changed. He does uh, does prophesy over the people, and he tells Balak, he says, you know what, I can only say what God tells me to say, and he does. He does tell them what God has told him to say, but you know what, I don't think he's happy, because each time he says these things, Balak is mad with him. What are you doing, Balaam? I told you to curse them. You're blessing them. Don't you see all the goods? Don't you see the recognition? Don't you see all these things that I have to offer? Why are you doing this? He said, I can only say, and here's Balaam, I can only say what God wants me to say. But all the time that he's doing that, Balaam in his wicked heart is trying to find a way that he can curse the people of God without prophesying over them as God has forbidden him and still get what he wants. It's a wicked heart. It's a wicked heart. Now, I'm going down to Numbers, the 25th chapter. This is where we find out how Balaam gives Balak the key to causing Israel to fall out of favor with God. He didn't do it through prophecy. He couldn't do it because the Lord forbade him, but he knew there was a way that he could get God to separate himself from his people. Uh, Numbers 25.1, Now Israel remained in Achaia grove, And the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, against Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out of the sun, and the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses, in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel. Who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now, I have to tell you, we're going to read this in a little bit. God has sent judgment against his people because they have been invited by the women of Baal that work in the temples of Baal to commit harlotry, to commit adultery, and to worship Baal. And he's very upset, and he sent judgment amidst the people. Now, in Phinehas, and here this guy comes. There's always one in a crowd. Here, people are dying. We're going to find out, I think it's 24,000 people are going to die in this judgment. 24,000. People are watching others die, and they're standing before God, weeping before the, the temple or the tent of meeting, with where God's presence dwells. And here comes some nut with a Midianite woman. Can you see him laughing and just spinning in circles? He tagged one from the temple, and he's taking him home to his tent, taking her home to his tent. And these people are weeping and asking God for mercy, and he's out there dancing with a harlot. Not very bright. Now when Phinehas, verse 7, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it. He rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body, So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel, and those who died in the plague were 24,000. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. I dare say, looking at that verse... If this man would not have done what he did, thousands and thousands more would have died. But there was one man in his zeal that stood up for righteousness. Now, when I go down to Numbers, the 31st chapter, verse 7 and 8, we find that they're, they're cleansing the land. It says, And they warred against the Midianites, just as the Lord commanded Moses, and they killed all the males. They killed the kings of Midian with the rest of those who were killed, Evi. Now notice, look at who's killed. Evi, Recham, Zer, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. And there's, who's there? Balaam. He's right amidst the enemy. Balaam, the son of Beor, they also killed with the sword. And Moses said to them, Have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel, look at this, through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now, when I talk about, in Revelation, the doctrine of Baal... This is Balaam. This is what it is. He convinced Balak to tempt the men with women. The women would draw the men into idol worship. And I want to tell you tonight, not a lot has changed in history. You turn your TV set on, and and women are still tempting men. And vice versa. Because the the, the sin of Balaam was to, I am not gonna curse you, but I know how to draw you away from your relationship of God from God and bring God's wrath upon you. So I let's wrap this up tonight. Where where do we go with this? What is it that we we see? We see a good man, we have this potential, but he's living by himself. You know, what? I get really nervous when people feel that they can survive outside of church Um, because there's there's no one standing up there presenting a barrier, presenting some direction. Maybe God is warning uh, you through them. And tonight, I think possibly what I'm sharing with you here and maybe some of those that will listen on the internet, maybe this will hit home. But there was, there was corruption in, in uh, Balaam's heart. He wasn't happy with what he was receiving from God. He was envious of those that had more than he did. And he, as a prophet, would use whatever means he could to get his own. And Balak, when he sent for Balaam, he knew that Balaam operated that way. And even though Balaam could have been noted for his righteousness through Scripture, the man is noted for his wickedness. Prophet, prophet of God, gone awry. And so I, I look at our lives here tonight, and I, I look at history repeating itself. I don't... I don't have a donkey at home but one of them right now looks sort of like a donkey with all of his long hair and brown face, one of my horses but don't tell Amy that. (laughs) I may not have, we may not have donkeys here but we still have the same bodies. We still have the same temptations that they had. Except ours are worse in a sense now because we have lust everywhere. We can... You can turn your phone on in church and you can watch videos, pornographic videos, if you want, if you've got the Internet. God help you. I wouldn't want to be sitting next to you. Lightning come down and we'd have to replace a whole set of pews. But you know, the the temptations are everywhere. But the one thing that you've got to have, if you're going to make it against the attacks of the enemy, remember, you'll send his minions first, the little ones, and if the little ones can't convince you, you'll send bigger ones, and you'll seek bigger temptations. But if you have integrity, and you hold on to your conscience, I have to confess something to you the other day. My conscience sometimes is so sensitive I can't really stand it. I spilled hot chocolate on my counsel. I'm confessing this to you, Okay. Please, if anybody at work is listening to this, don't get mad at me. I spilled it on my console, and in my office, I have some cleaner. And I took the cleaner from my office, and I'm walking down the hallway saying, this cleaner was not intended for my car. And I felt terrible about spraying the cleaner on my counsel to take the hot chocolate off. And some people say, that's ridiculous. But you know what? I want my conscience to be super sensitive. I, I want it when I may be doing something shady, something wrong, I want it to bother me so much that, man, when I brought it back into the building, I, I felt, it's back. God, I'll never do that again. And I know it sounds silly. It really does. And they wouldn't have cared. I'm sure they wouldn't have cared. Matter of fact, the guy that gave it to me, he said, hey, take the whole bottle if you want it. We got plenty of bottles back here. In the beginning. But Balaam never followed his conscience. What are you going to do tonight? This isn't randomly given. This message wasn't just randomly selected. God, God gave it for a reason. When, you, when you're at your computer and I want you to think about it the next time a naked picture comes up or something comes in your, your mail or whatever and it happens, what are you going to do? You're going to look at it for a little bit and take it off after you've digested it a little bit or you're going to get rid of it? Because I want you, when that happens, I want you to realize Balak has sent his messengers to you to try to get you to walk away from the favor of God. And you may think it's just an idle incident. You may think it's just happenstance. But I want to tell you, God, in these last days, is trying to protect you. He's trying to put barriers around you, but the devil is even trying harder to rob you away from him. So, don't tell Brother Kylie my analogy of the donkey, okay, because I don't want you to think that he was stubborn like a donkey or anything like that. He's a good man, and I'm proud to have him as a brother and a pastor. So that's what I wanted to share with you tonight. I hope this study on Baal, maybe you'll see it in a different light, you know, and I don't have all the answers to why he was even living out there. Why are you living in the wilderness? How did you get there? How did you get there? Did you run away, or how did a prophet get out there? But anyways, let's stand together. He could have been a great man for God. That person that backslides and goes back to the trough of the world could have been a great man or woman of God if they'd only listen. So Lord Jesus, tonight, as we come to a close with what our discussion on Balaam, I know that you placed it in my heart. And, and I pray, Lord God, tonight that the words that you have sent out into this congregation, sent out to whoever hears this, will prick someone's heart that's living a double life, that's trying to be a Christian. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 965 5177 or email us at info at